Welcome to AudioPie's English Literature and Language Show. You can dip into huge chunks of over 19 series for free and learn on the go. Happy listening, everyone. Welcome to the second of this AudioPie series on Romeo and Juliet, in which we will be discussing aspects of context that you could write about in your GCSE exam. Like many of Shakespeare's most famous plays, Romeo and Juliet is a tragedy. Despite the song that claims tragedy when you lose control and you've got no soul, tragedy in the theatre is rather more complex than that and has rules established by the ancient writers of Greek tragedy, such as Euripides. Here, however, we are going to talk less about the literary context of the play and more about the social and historical context. In other words, what important things do you need to know about what life was like in Elizabethan times in order to better understand the play? One of the most important things to remember when you are studying any Shakespeare is that women were not allowed to perform on the Elizabethan stage. As a result, all of the women's roles were played by boys between the ages of 13 and 19. It has been suggested that Elizabethans considered boys to have a feminine appearance and disposition, as their bodies had not yet fully developed and their voices had not yet broken. In those days, boys' voices broke much later than they do today due to various differences in lifestyle, so boys were able to play female parts convincingly. If you haven't seen it, watch the 1999 film Shakespeare in Love to see how this worked in practice. In Elizabethan England, most playwrights and actors had a second profession. The playwright Ben Jonson, for example, was a trained bricklayer. For this reason, actors often came from the lower classes in society, and it was considered unseemly for a woman to take on such a role. It could therefore be argued that audiences would have to work quite hard to be convinced of the intensity of the love between Romeo and Juliet. The boy actors would have been dressed in elaborate costumes and heavy makeup, and it is unlikely that the actors would have made any real physical expressions of the character's love on stage. Nowadays, we are familiar with seeing actors kissing at length on screen, but this would not have been the case then. For this reason, the dialogue becomes all the more important. This perhaps explains why 90% of the play is written in verse, with only 10% in prose. The language has to be poetic, beautiful, and lyrical in order to convince us of Romeo and Juliet's passionate love. You may be interested to know that the boy actors were paid the least of all the actors in the cast, and that the lead based makeup often gave them skin diseases and made them very ill. Some even died of lead poisoning. A second important aspect of Elizabethan context is that marriage was far more a contract relating to status and family connections than it is today. Money and social position were far more likely reasons to marry than love. Regardless of social status, people were expected to marry and single women were eyed with some suspicion, and perhaps even thought to be witches. Furthermore, a father, especially of a family from the upper social classes, would have considered it his duty to find a suitable match for his daughter. And suitable would have meant someone from a respectable family and of appropriately noble status. 
His daughter would have had little to no say in the marriage proposal and, as children were expected to obey their parents in everything, she would have been expected to marry the person of her father's choosing. You will notice, by the way, that Juliet has a very formal relationship with her parents, whom she addresses as mother or madam and father, and is much closer to the nurse, who would have breastfed her as a baby. Obedience to parents was not only expected, but demanded. Many couples therefore met for the first time on their wedding day. As love was not a particular consideration, the man in question may have been much older than the daughter and not at all attractive to her. It was legal for girls to be married at the age of 12 and boys at 14, although it was far more likely that couples would be older than this. Juliet herself is 13, and we are never told how old Romeo is. Arranged marriages like this are still commonplace in some countries and cultures around the world today and were standard practice in Elizabethan England. In this context, Lord Capulet's choice for Juliet seems quite reasonable. We see this in Lord Capulet's negotiations with Paris, Juliet's arranged husband, as early as Act 1, Scene 2. And only the second time we meet him, he is discussing Paris's interest in Juliet and a possible union. At this point, he seems to think that Juliet is too young for marriage, as she is yet a stranger in the world. Juliet is his only child, as the others have died, as many children did in Elizabethan England, which perhaps makes him particularly protective of her. Later, when Juliet refuses to marry Paris in Act 3, Scene 5, Lord Capulet declares, Day, night. Our tide time work play. Alone in company still my care hath been to have her matched. And having now provided a gentleman of noble parentage, of fair domains, youthful and nobly trained, stuffed, as they say, with honourable parts, proportioned as one's thought would wish a man, and then, to have a wretched, puling fool, a whining mammoth in her fortune's tender, to answer, I am not wed, I cannot love, I am too young, I pray you pardon me. It's possible to understand why he is upset. As we shall see later, it can be interpreted that Lord Capulet, at least in the early scenes, is defensive of his daughter and wants the best for her. His main focus in life for some time has been to find her a suitable husband. He has worked very hard to find a man of Paris's reputation, and indeed, others agree that he is a brilliant catch. The nurse describes him in Act 1, Scene 3 as a man of wax, meaning the perfect model of a man. Lord Capulet lists Paris's credentials. He comes from a good family, he will inherit plenty of land, demences, he is descended from noble ancestors, he has a whole host of good personal qualities or parts, and in fact, he seems perfect. After all his careful thought, preparation and worry, he thinks he has hit gold by finding Paris, and he's completely baffled when Juliet cannot also see what excellent husband material he is. Romeo and Juliet then do something very risky in choosing to marry for love. Shakespeare also wants us to understand how great Juliet's love for Romeo is that she is willing to disobey her parents, which was considered a crime against God, and reject the man they have chosen for her. By putting their hearts before their heads and going against society's expectations, 
Both Romeo and Juliet risk severe family conflict, rejection and even being disowned. Indeed, both Lord and Lady Capulet tell Juliet that it would be better for her to die than to disobey their command to marry Paris. On that tremulous note, we're going to end this podcast. In the next one, we will continue to look at the historical and social context of the play. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to search for and listen to the next episode in the series to build your topic knowledge. Hit the Acast Plus link in the show description to become a premium supporter and unlock access to every episode in every series for as long as you need. We also make GCSE and A-level content for history, RE, sociology and psychology. Happy listening, everyone.